This is a Socialist News and Views special report. I'm Nick Schillingford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis. Welcome to today's holiday special report. You know, every year uh, around the holidays in the month of December, my wife makes me a couple of fruit cakes. I really enjoy uh, carrot cake, spice cake, things like that more so than, you know, chocolate cake or other cakes. And so every year she makes me a fruit cake. And that's a little bit like what this holiday special report will be like. It's a little bit of a hodgepodge of a few different things. We will uh, talk about uh, Deb's view on Jesus. We will uh, hear a little bit from uh, Markson Soho on uh, a play by Howard Zinn on religion as the opiate of the masses. Uh, we will do a tarot reading uh, to get a perspective on what we can uh, look forward to in the new year. And uh, we'll hear also hear a few uh, songs and, and maybe a poem. So uh, without further ado, I think we could uh, jump right into it, starting with a piece by Debs. This recently appeared in Jacobin. It was originally published in Progressive Woman in March 1914. I'll read it now. Jesus, the Supreme Leader. It matters little whether Jesus was born at Nazareth or Bethlehem. The accounts conflict, but the point is of no consequence. It is of consequence, however, that he was born in a stable and cradle in a manger. This fact of itself, about which there is no question, certifies conclusively the proletarian character of Jesus Christ. Had his parents been other than poor working people, money changers, usurers, merchants, lawyers, scribes, priests, or other parasites, he would not have been delivered from his mother's womb on a bed of straw in a stable among asses and other animals. Was Jesus divinely begotten? Yes, the same as every other babe ever born into the world. He was of miraculous origin, the same as all the rest of mankind. The scriptural account of his immaculate conception is a beautiful myth but scarcely more of a miracle than the conception of all other babes. Jesus was not divine because he was less human than his fellow men, but for the opposite reason, that he was supremely human, and it is this of which his divinity consists, the fullness and perfection of him as an intellectual, moral, and spiritual being. The chronicles of his time and of later days are filled with contradictory and absurd stories about him and he has been disfigured and distorted by cunning priests to serve their knavish ends and by ignorant idolaters to give godly sanction to their blind bigotry and savage superstition. But there is no impenetrable myth surrounding the personality of Jesus Christ. He was not a legendary being or an allegorical figure, but, as Buck White and others have shown us, a flesh-and-blood man in the fullness of his matchless powers and the completeness of his transcendent consecration. To me, Jesus Christ is as real, as palpitant, and persuasive 
as a historical figure as John Brown, Abraham Lincoln, or Karl Marx. He has persisted in spite of 2,000 years of theological emasculation to destroy his revolutionary personality and is today the greatest moral force in the world. The vain attempt persisted in through 20 centuries of ruling class interpolation, interpretation, and falsification to make Jesus appear the divinely commissioned conservator of the peace and soother of the oppressed instead of the master proletarian revolutionist and sower of the social whirlwind. The vain attempt to prostitute the name and teachings and example of the martyred Christ to the power of mammon, the very power which had murdered him in cold blood, vindicates his transcendent genius and proclaims the immortality of his work. Nothing is known of Jesus Christ as a lad, except that at twelve his parents took him to Jerusalem, where he confounded the learned doctors by the questions he asked them. We have no knowledge as to what these questions were, but taking his lowly birth, his poverty and suffering into account, in contrast with the riches of Jerusalem, which now dazzled his vision, and in the light of his subsequent career, we are not left to conjecture as to the nature of the interrogation to which the inquisitive lad subjected the smug doctors in the temple. There are but meager accounts of the doings of Jesus until, at a trifle over thirty, he entered upon his public ministry and began the campaign of agitation and revolt he had been planning and dreaming through all the years of his yearning and burning adolescence. He was of the working class and loyal to it, and every drop of his hot blood to the very hour of his death. He hated and denounced the rich and cruel exploiter as passionately as he loved and sympathized with his poor and suffering victims. I speak not of you all, I know whom I have chosen, was his class-conscious announcement to his disciples, all of whom were of the proletariat, not an exploiter or desirable citizen among them. No, not one. It was a working-class movement he was organizing and a working-class revolution he was preparing the way for. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. This was the pitch and core of all his pleading, all his preaching, and all his teaching. Love one another. Be brethren, make common cause, stand together, ye who labor to enrich the parasites and are yourselves in chains, and ye shall be free. These words were addressed by Jesus not to the money changers, the scribes and the Pharisees, the rich and respectable, but to the ragged, undesirables of his own enslaved and suffering class. This appeal was to their class spirit, their class loyalty, and their class solidarity. Centuries later, Karl Marx embodies the appeal in his famous manifesto, and today it blazes forth in letter of fire as the watchword of the worldwide revolution. Workers of all countries unite. You have nothing to lose but your chains. You have a world to gain. 
During the brief span of three years, embracing the whole period of his active life, from the time he began to stir up the people until the scarlet robe and crown of thorns were put on him and he was crucified between two thieves, Jesus devoted all his time and all his matchless ability and energies to the suffering poor, and it would have been passing strange if they had not heard him gladly. He himself had no fixed abode, and like the wretched, motley throng to whom he preached and poured out his great and loving heart, he was a poor wanderer on the face of the earth, and had not where to lay his head. Pure communism was the economic and social gospel preached by Jesus Christ, and every act and utterance which may properly be ascribed to him conclusively affirms it. Private property was to his elevated mind and exalted soul a sacrilege and a horror, an insult to God and a crime against man. The economic basis of his doctrine of brotherhood and love is clearly demonstrated in the fact that under his leadership and teaching, all his disciples sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need and that they had all things in common. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. This was the beginning of the mighty movement Jesus had launched for the overthrow of the empire of the Caesars and the emancipation of the crushed and miserable masses from the bestial misrule of the Roman tyrants. It was, above all, a working-class movement and was conceived and brought forth for no other purpose than to destroy class rule and set up the common people as the sole and rightful inheritors of the earth. Happy are the lowly, for they shall inherit the earth. Three short years of agitation by the incomparable Jesus was sufficient to stamp the proletarian movement he had inaugurated as the most formidable and portentous revolution in the annals of time. The ill-fated author could not long survive his stupendous mischief. The aim and inevitable outcome of this madman's teaching and agitation was too clearly manifest to longer admit of doubt. The sodden lords of misrule trembled in their stolen finery, and then the word went forth that they must get the vagabond who had stirred up the people against them. The prototypes of Peabody, McPartland, Harry Orchard et al. were all ready for their base and treacherous performance and their thirty pieces of blood-stained silver. The priest of the mammon worshippers gave it out that the Nazarene was spreading a false religion and that his pernicious teachings would corrupt the people, destroy the church, uproot the old faith, disrupt the family, break up the home, and overthrow society. The lineal descendants of Caiaphas and Judas and the Pharisees and money changers of old are still parroting the same miserable falsehood to serve the same miserable ends. The only difference being that the brood of pious perverts now practiced their degeneracy in the name of the Christ they betrayed and sold into crucifixion 20 centuries ago. Jesus 
after the most farcical trial and the most shocking travesty upon justice, was spiked to the cross at the gates of Jerusalem and his followers subjected to persecution, torture, exile, and death. The movement he had inaugurated, fired by his inconquerable revolutionary spirit, persisted, however, through fire and slaughter for three centuries and until the master class, realizing the futility of their efforts to stamp it out, basely betrayed it by pretending conversion to its teachings and reverence for its murdered founder. And from that time forth, Christianity became the religion so-called of the pagan ruling class, and the dead Christ was metamorphosed from the master revolutionist who was ignominiously slain, a martyr to his class, into the pious abstraction, the harmless theological divinity who died that John Pierpont Morgan could be washed in the blood of the Lamb, and countless generations of betrayed and deluded slaves kept blinded by superstition and content in their poverty and degradation. Jesus was the grandest and loftiest of human souls, sun-crowned and God-inspired, a full-statured man, red-blooded and lion-hearted, yet sweet and gentle as the noble mother who had given him birth. He had the majesty and poise of a god, the prophetic vision of a seer, the great loving heart of a woman, and the unaffected innocence and simplicity of a child. This was and is the martyred Christ of the working class, the inspired evangel of the downtrodden masses, the world's supreme revolutionary leader, whose love for the poor and the children of the poor hallowed all the days of his consecrated life, lighted up and made forever holy the dark tragedy of his death, and gave to the ages his divine inspiration and his deathless name. That's by Eugene V. Debs. Um, I went to the Eugene Debs Museum in Terre Haute, Indiana, and uh, I think it's probably one of the best things uh, in Indiana. I'd recommend everybody uh, go check it out if they want to see some things from Eugene Debs. And now we will go to the carol, O Holy Night, but we're going to play the original French version, Cantique de Noël. It was composed by the atheist Placide Capot, and the melody was composed by Adolphe Adams, who was Jewish. It's the third verse of the carol that was objectionable to the church at a certain point where it says in English, truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. We are now going to listen to Cantique de Noel, and this version is performed in 1916 by Enrico Caruso.
We're going to briefly go to a little clip about religion from Howard Zinn's play, Marx and Soho, here performed by Brian Jones. Engels, a saint. There's no other word for him. Whenever the water was cut off, the gas cut off, the house was dark, our spirits low. Engels paid the bills. His family owned factories in Manchester. Yes, capitalism saved us. Okay. 
But he did not always understand our needs. Uh, we had no money for groceries, and he would show up with crates of wine. One Christmas, we had no means to afford a Vinex bomb, um, a Christmas tree. Engels shows up with six bottles of champagne, so we imagined a tree, formed a circle around it, drank champagne, and sang Christmas songs. <laughs> now, I know what my revolutionary friends were thinking. Marx, the atheist, a Christmas tree. It's true. I did say that religion is the opium of the people, but no one has ever paid attention to the full passage. Religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature. It is the heart in a heartless world, the soul of soulless conditions. It is the opium of the people. True, opium may not be a solution. Sometimes it is necessary to relieve pain. Don't I know that from my boils? Doesn't the world have a terrible case of the boils? Oh, we're back. I've noticed recently a lot more people in radical circles, progressives and others, having an interest in tarot cards and tarot reading. So I thought I'd reach out to her, a good friend of mine, Lady Tara Wise. Uh, she performed the ceremony at my wife and my wedding. And uh, in honor of the new year, just have her do a quick tarot reading on uh, America in 2022. You know, some people say that uh, tarot reading is really there to kind of give you a different perspective on your own problems. And in America, uh, we definitely have a lot of problems to deal with. So I thought this could give us a perspective. Uh, you know, how will we handle 2022 if it develops in the way that we hear about here? Let's have a listen. You know, on the show, we let folks introduce themselves. If you just want to tell us who you are, maybe plug your sure. anything. And then uh, what does the future hold for America okay. for next year? Hi. Yeah, I am Lady Tara Wise, and um, I have been reading tarot for, it'll be 30 years this year. And it's your, it's your profession. It's what you do it professionally. Is, it is my profession. Yes, it is what I do. Um far as what I see for America in 2022, um, well, uh, economically, I see things moving in a really positive direction. So, um, yeah, I see new opportunities opening up. I think that's, that's happening with our economy, but I think that's happening with, um, jobs, you know, and availability, new opportunities are available for Americans. Mm -hmm. Looks like, um, you know, unfortunately, the pandemic is still something that we're going to have to be dealing with. It's not something that is uh, going to be over, but we are starting a brand new chapter. It looks like uh, a new beginning. So things are going to be moving forward. Uh which is positive, but we're still cleaning up the mess of the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. So with the pandemic and uh, we're also going to be making some really big decisions moving forward um, in terms of how we, we want to proceed um, as a nation, uh, what's going to be best for everybody. And uh, I basically see where we're going to be investing in um, jobs for one thing, but possibly new technology, 
um, where we're making things more available, there's still going to be a lot of lies and deceit. Um, unfortunately, that's that's not going to be going away in 2022. Very American. We are, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, yes, that is true. Um, we do seem to be moving away from uh, the isolation that we have experienced over the last couple of years. So people, you know, regardless of the fact that we're still dealing with the pandemic, it's it's still there. Um, it seems like people are moving, people are gonna be out and about more. Mm. So, you know, hopefully we'll be keeping the, the pandemic at bay to some degree. Um, I saw something a second ago that looked like there might be some sort of crisis. I don't know if that's something that we're still dealing with or if there's going to be some new uh, event that's happening in the country. Mm. I I remember feeling very, very anxious um, after the election last year that something was brewing. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't expect that it was going to happen on my daughter's birthday, but it did. So on January 6th. Mm-hmm. Um there's always crises that come up, that's for sure. Yeah. And America has a lot of them. Unfortunately, and like I said, the lies continue. Um, yeah, there's going to be, uh, it seems like there's going to be some sort of an attack uh, again. You know, I, what I'm seeing in my, in my tarot cards, because I'm a tarot card reader, is... Uh, you know, I've got the Ten of Swords right next to the Emperor, which, you know, the Emperor is leadership. Mm. I think there's going to be some sort of an attack on our leader. Mm. So, you know, I don't know if this is going to be some other coup that, that is happening or if something terrible. And maybe I should look at him specifically, you know, mm. our president, see what's going on for him. Go for it. We already had we already had that glorious attack on our democracy last year. Yep. Um, and we're still we're still dealing with the aftermath of that. There's still um, we're still talking about it because it and, and hasn't been resolved in any way for sure. Not not at all. No. <laughs> so yeah, there's um, you know again there's there's still a lot of lies and deceit um and i mean that could also i mean around the pandemic around everything there is yeah i think around everything um this might be around our president specifically i don't Mm. know if it's him specifically that's lying i mean it's showing up in the atmosphere around him so it could Mm. be what he's having to deal with or it could be that there are things that he's not being completely honest about right we have found you know, people that we thought were heroes last year turned out to be pretty mm. shady. You mm-hmm. know, we're, we're finding out more about that. I um, What I'm getting is that there's more truth that's going to be coming to light. Mm-hmm. And um, that's not going to be until, you know, towards the end of the year, later, later in 2022. Okay. Where a lot of new information is going to be brought to our attention. Um, let me just take a look at Mr. Biden and what's going on with him sure yeah i i see something coming to an end with him um 
I don't know if this is a health problem that he's going to be having mm. or if, um, you know, there's some sort of crisis or attack that's going on with him. Um, in general, he, I mean, he seems to be doing okay, but I, um, I do see some sort of a loss. I don't know if that's, you know, a death for him specifically, or if we're still dealing with the aftermath of all the loss that we've experienced as a nation. Because what are we at? Like 800,000 people so mm -hmm. far? Over that, I think, yeah. I mean, a health problem for him wouldn't be a surprise. I mean, he's, all these people that were running were up there. So. Right, he's in his 80s. Yeah. So. So, well, yeah, well, that's fair, and you know, it's that's, possible. Yeah, it's possible that something could, something terrible could happen to him. That thing, he may not, uh, he, he may not serve uh, his full term because of his health. Um, he could be dealing with some kind of a health problem. It could be chronic, or it could be something that happens uh, while he's in office, and it looks like it could be this year. This year or this coming so, year, right? Yeah, this coming. Uh, in twenty twenty-two. Yeah, yeah. So coming up here shortly. In the yeah. next in the next twelve months. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of things so, will come to light. That wouldn't surprise me. There's a lot of, uh, I think there is a lot of stuff that still needs to uh, come to light on a lot of uh, fronts. There's a lot of lies, <laughs> uh -huh. economic, political, uh -huh. and otherwise that are still being told. Um, yeah. About the I pandemic, mean, among other things. One one positive thing that is happening in 2022, you know, regardless of, of what the politicians are saying on, on either side of the mm -hmm. situation, I do see a lot of economic growth for mm -hmm. the United States in 2022. So that is a positive. That's probably the most positive thing that's happening. Pandemic, I, I don't think we're going to be out of the woods with that until... Uh, closer to the end of next year, although I do see things getting a lot easier with it. There will be more and more deaths. That is not going away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we, unfortunately, I think we knew that because it's not like, you know, I think uh, Canada and other countries have gone into other, you know, new forms of uh, uh, scaled uh, back lockdowns, but the U.S. Right. has never really done anything on no. a national scale to try to you know, take on the pandemic and yeah. yeah, I don't see that changing. It probably won't change in 2022. Any closed any borders, closed any businesses, closed anything mm -hmm. at a national level. There's been a lot of, you know, there's been some state actions at times, but yeah. I think maybe towards September is when we really start to feel like things are finally turning around mm -hmm. with, with regard to this uh, global pandemic, at least in the United States. Um, you know, the focus is going to be on the economic growth and that is, I think, um, you know, Biden's reputation is, is definitely in the toilet, unfortunately, mm -hmm. um, with many, many things. And I think that his target is probably going to be the economy. Mm -hmm. But I do get that that is a positive. Um, so that that does we do seem to be winning in that regard moving yep. forward in 2022. But the pandemic, things are going to start to cool down until probably September. Mm. Well, that's. Not a surprise. I mean, yeah, the 1919 pandemic, I think it said like over half the deaths were in 1920 and 1921. So mm -hmm. it wouldn't be surprising if, you know, this pandemic goes on for, you know, at least three, you know, years. three years in total. So mm -hmm. it's not a surprise. I appreciate you talking with me. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, uh, yeah. Uh, 
Happy New um, Year. Where do people find you again? Like, or what's the best way um, to find Lady Tarawise? LadyTarawise.co. Perfect. Or they can just Google Lady Tarawise and it should pop up. Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well. So. Well, thank you so much, Lady Tarawise. My pleasure, Nick. All right, we're back from that tarot reading. Uh, you know, will the economy improve significantly in 2022? Will there be another large-scale coordinated attack on our democracy next year? Will Biden develop a health condition and possibly die in 2022? All these things are possible regardless of what happens next year. Perspectives and preparation are key. And now I'd like to read a poem. Uh, this is uh, They Shall Take and Hold by H.E. Holland. It was published in The Industrial Worker Thursday, January 4th, 1912. There is want in the homes of the people, and the children are crying for bread, and the church sweeps the sky with a steeple that overshadows the graves of our dead. There's a wail in the wind at the dawning, there's a sound of a sob in the sea, there's an evil that shudders when morning flings a mantle of gold over the lee. There is hate betwixt toiler and toiler. There is malice and envy and strife. Labor lengthens the rule of the spoiler with the plunge of a fratricide's knife. But there's hope in the hearts of the teachers. Their gospel rings clear in the night revolution's brave army of preachers who've learned history's hard lessons aright. And the wage slaves are waking from slumber where the long lands are washed by the seas and each day spring is swelling in number who will fling their red flags to the breeze. And the war drums of labor are throbbing their loud call from the depths of the years, and they'll end the young children's wild sobbing and the sorrow of sad mother's tears. They shall take all the earth and its treasure. They shall tear down the banners of wrong. They shall hold all the wealth in full measure. They shall gladden the world with their song. Let's hope so. And since we can all use a little comedy, I thought I'd just end with this song by Arlo Guthrie. The song is The Pause of Mr. Claus, in which he envisions Santa Claus as a communist and a pacifist. And he asks the question, why are the police beating on anti-war demonstrators? But it's a funny song. And now we end with the pause of Mr. Claus. We're going to sing to you this Christmas carol. It's for all you bastards out there in the audience tonight. It's called The Pause of Mr. Claus. Why do you sit there so strange? Is it because you are beautiful? You must think you are deranged. Why do police 
guys beat on these guys You must think Santa Claus weird He has long hair and a beard Giving his presents for free Why do police guys mess with these guys? Let's get Santa Claus cause Santa Claus has a red suit, he's a communist And a beard and long hair must be a pacifist What's in the pipe that he's smoking? Mr. Claus sneaks in your house at night He must be a dope fiend to put you up tight Why do police guys beat on these guys? That song was released in 1968, and the police are still beating, injuring, and killing protesters. And that's our show. Thanks for listening to our holiday special report. This has been a Socialist News and Views special report.